Welcome to the Paint the Medical Picture podcast, a Next Improve It podcast series for best practice tips and insights for all your healthcare practices coding, billing, compliance, and reimbursement needs. I'm your host, Sunal Patel. Hello, and hope everyone's having a good day so far. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Welcome to my fourth episode, episode number four. I'm so happy you found me here, and I hope you're here because you understand that the patient's medical record, coding, and billing drive reimbursement. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. Now. A quick disclaimer, before I get started on the episode, this podcast episode and podcast series do not constitute legal advice, but I am fortunate to work with sound healthcare attorneys at Nexon Pruitt, and as their consultant, I have over 10 years of experience in front office, back-end, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance, and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. Again, the opinions and insights throughout are mine alone, and they in no means constitute legal advice. So let's get into some industry news in what I call newsworthy. I plan to feature the OIG's criminal and civil enforcement cases for the last Wednesday in each month. These cases always help me to better understand the trends the OIG, the DOJ, that's the Office of Inspector General, the Department of Justice, are seeing for location of providers and facilities, for types of services or procedures performed, as well as if any forms of corrective action were undertaken to move forward with some form of compliance. The month of September saw a total of 19 cases. Well, to be fair, that was the number since the creation and recording of this episode, so I'm sure my numbers are a bit off. There were the usual suspects of your run-of-the-mill doctors serving as oxycodone and fentanyl dealers to much more complex cases involving superficial or topical electroacupuncture devices with high surgical price tags, as well as medically unnecessary diagnostic testing for nystagmus, rotational axis, nerve conduction, and nervous system testings. There was DME with a deactivated supplier's NPI number, who then funneled services through another's NPI number in a different state, and routine co-payment waivers. There were bribes and kickbacks galore in genetic testing and home health services. But I want to take a closer look at a case that piques my interest, and it involves a Pennsylvania Medicare Advantage plan, who agreed to pay $2.5 million plus interest 
to resolve allegations of False Claims Act violations of incorrectly calculating anticipated plan costs in what is known as inflated plan bids to CMS. This Pennsylvania Medicare Advantage plan operates a number of Medicare Advantage plans for Medicare beneficiaries through its subsidiary companies. Medicare Advantage plans are sometimes called Part C or MA plans and include bundled coverage for Medicare Part A, your hospital insurance, and Medicare Part B, your medical insurance, and usually for Medicare prescription drugs, Part D. These subsidiary companies submit annual bids that include anticipated costs for each Medicare Advantage plan to be offered the following year. The government alleges that these companies incorrectly calculated its actual prior costs in the financial plan bids submitted to CMS for contract years 2009 and 2010. The incorrect and inflated prior cost data resulted in higher base amounts in their Medicare Advantage plan bids, causing CMS to pay them inflated reimbursement levels. More details in this case of importance include that this settlement resolved a lawsuit filed under the False Claims Act in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania by an employee of the company. Now, under the KETAM or whistleblower provisions of the False Claims Act, private citizens are permitted to bring lawsuits on behalf of the United States and obtain a portion of the government's recovery. The False Claims Act also permits the government to intervene and take over the lawsuit, which is exactly what happened here. The whistleblower in this case will receive around $500,000 as his share of the recovery. This case seems like something shiny and new, in my opinion, in the world of fraud cases, inflation of bids, something to keep our eyes peeled for in the future, for sure. Now, the second case that I'd like to dive deeper into involves a West Virginia hospital that agreed to pay $50 million to resolve allegations of FCA violations by knowingly submitting claims to the Medicare program that resulted from violations of the physician's self-referral law and the anti-kickback statute. The physician self-referral law, commonly known as the Stark Law, prohibits a hospital from billing Medicare for certain services referred by physicians with whom the hospital has a financial relationship, unless that relationship satisfies one of the law's statutory or regulatory exceptions, known as safe harbors. The anti-kickback statute, or AKS, prohibits offering or paying remuneration to induce the referral of items or services covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and other federally funded programs. Both the Stark Law and the anti-kickback statute are intended to ensure that the medical decision-making is not compromised by improper financial incentives and is instead based on the best interests of the patient. 
the belief that if, quote, improper financial arrangements between hospitals and physicians can influence the type and the amount of healthcare that is provided, end quote, is something that we have been accustomed to for years now. Allegedly, from 2007 through 2020, the hospital knowingly and willfully paid improper compensation to referring physicians that was based on the volume or the value of the physician's referrals or was above fair market value. There was also a whistleblower in this case who will receive a whopping $10 million as his portion of the recovery. I'm looking forward to seeing what sweeping changes will be made to the Stark Law and the anti-kickback statute in the months ahead that reflect the new, the modern, the innovation, the value-based arrangements that involve clinical care coordination that have been so prohibitive under these current and decades-old statutes. And lastly, there is an antitrust case that I have been following closely since April. It involves a Florida oncology group that was charged with conspiring to allocate medical and radiation oncology treatments for cancer care patients. It was the first charge in, an, in ongoing investigations into market allocation in the oncology industry. The deferred prosecution agreement included a non-compete waiver aimed at increasing competition in the treatment of cancer patients. Now, the group agreed to pay the $100 million criminal penalty statutory maximum and admitted to conspiring to allocate chemotherapy and radiation treatments for cancer care patients. On a positive note, in my opinion, the group agreed to maintain an effective compliance program designed to prevent and detect criminal antitrust violations. The president of the Cancer Care Center was just indicted for his participation in the antitrust conspiracy. I will continue keeping up with this case and others as they arise. The antitrust division's criminal section made it very clear when they stated, quote, they will persist in exposing unscrupulous medical providers who deny the public access to a competitive healthcare marketplace, end quote. And now it's time for my best practice tip in what I call trusty tip. A comparative billing report, a CBR, was issued for breast re-excisions this month by CMS. It is, it is CBR 202008. Part B providers who perform these surgical procedures should be aware they contain an analysis of billing practices across geographic areas and serve as an educational tool for possible and hopeful improvement in billing and ensuring compliance. It's critical to understand a CBR does not indicate you are going to get an audit. The value to providers is that it serves as a tool to look at their billing patterns as compared to their peers. The value also includes the facts 
that specific coding guidelines and billing information will be detailed. The CBR informs providers whose billing patterns differ from those of their peers. But it is also important to realize that the Journal of American College of Surgeons stated that the reexcision rate reached 92% between 2012 through 2018. This high percentage rate is exactly why the CBRs are structured to help you focus on your billing patterns for specific CPT codes. In this case, the CPT codes are 19120, 19301, 19302, 19303, and now discontinued code 19304. The CBR also identifies the provider specialties who will be receiving it, and they include general surgery, physician, physician assistant, surgical oncology, plastics and reconstructive surgery, and nurse practitioner. The definition of excision is for the base time period of March 2018 through February 2019. The definition of re-excision is each subsequent excision performed by the same provider through February 2020 and is also within 365 days of the original base time period and the original excision. The parameters or scope of claims is from March 2018 through February 2020. The CBR will deliver three metrics for you that include number one, the percent of re-excisions, number two, the percent of allowed amount for re-excisions, and number three, the percent of beneficiaries receiving a re-excision. The criteria for receiving the CBR is that your re-excision rate was greater than 30%. Remember, your operative reports should detail the medical necessity for the re-excision to support the service to maintain compliance. Understand the details and complexity involved in coding for oncologic resection when you are paying specific attention to the margins in a lumpectomy or mastectomy. Are you using your modifiers correctly when you're coming in for a re-excision of a lumpectomy cavity, when you must return to the OR for positive margins upon final pathology report? But by painting all these fine details of the medical necessity into the medical picture, a provider's documentation will support the code selection by its very definition the medical necessity will be supported for a certified medical coder to abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from John F. Kennedy. Change is the law of life and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. I think this statement is perfect for what all of us are experiencing right now in this current climate of COVID-19. We have seen ourselves pushed to do more, to be more. If we had forgotten that change is real, that change happens, we are all awake now 
and looking to reshape our futures for the better. I am happy our 35th president's spark still shines on in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. I'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can always direct message me on LinkedIn or voice message me on the Anchor app. And if you would like to inquire about my consultant services, you can always reach me through my email address at nexonpruitt.com. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy. Practice safety for one and all during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Hope you join me next Wednesday for episode five in the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Thank you for listening in on my fourth episode, and I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday. If you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn or send me an email at sanalpatel at nexonpruitt.com for all my consulting services in medical coding, auditing, and compliance. Thank you.